Jonathan Switcher. Wrong sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing I've created that made me feel like an artist. Don't you like your new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear it talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who can see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet. And she's a dummy. Ow! You are one sick puppy. But together. They don't do that. You weren't so shy when you were creating me. You weren't so real. They make magic. <gasps> Look at him with the dummy. Who are you to criticize? And that new stock boy, and I just want you to keep an eye on him for me. I think I'm gonna handle things my own way. All the girl mannequins disappeared from the windows last night, film at 11. Yes, my dear, your favorite, she is gone to get him! You're magic. He's talking to the dummy again. Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall. You know I would never bother you when you're getting a piece of wood. Mannequin. the days when you and I used to work in a department store you were with you were in security with your dog Rambo and mm. I was in the window dressing department and, and one day this bright-eyed youngster named David this artist uh, came in and, and changed our lives forever do you, you, do you recall those days recall yeah it's like yesterday I mean I'm still trying to catch that wily fella doing some no good business you'll never catch me <laughs> sucker <laughs> it was yesterday wasn't it like literally <laughs> yesterday could have been well yesterday you know it was 1987 exactly yeah it is in my brain and my heart so <laughs> uh with that in mind there's only one movie that we could be talking about this week as we we continue our journey in through andrew mccarthy august uh welcome back to Reconsidimation, I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And yes, it is the continuation after a brief interruption with our Friday the 13th special, uh, the continuation of Andrew McCarthy August. We're celebrating all things Mr. McCarthy, or rather select things Mr. McCarthy. Yeah. And That's this is... I don't know. Would you say uh, this movie is his most, I don't know, popular? There's a couple you could pick from, but what, what do you guys think? We're talking, of course, about 1987's Mannequin. Mannequin. Um, I, I, I feel like this is, this is probably, I, I think our generation, I think, and the slightly older crowd of that, of our generation, I think, I think Andrew McCarthy has that one movie for everyone and it's different i think a lot of people would like lean on pretty in pink or something um or or this i think it, it, this is this is for me the andrew mccarthy movie i think and but, but you know the, there could be a weekend at bernie's in there 
there could be there could be a less than zero less than zero in there i don't know maybe someone thinks that they see andrew mccarthy they think a less than zero yeah i don't know but i think i this is probably the one for me yeah i would agree with that i mean certainly like andrew mccarthy is one of those actors that's kind of peppered all throughout the childhood movies like he pops up just in certain spots but when i when his name comes up and comes up all the time and all the conversations we have all of them. this is this is definitely the movie that i think about the most or or rem- i relate to him for sure yeah i think i i agree totally that when i think andrew mccarthy like this is the movie that that jumps out this was the one for me personally that when i i saw it at i think seven years old and i loved it absolutely loved it um yeah was very into this movie and it wasn't until years later it was like oh not quite what i remembered but it'll always have a place in my heart so oh yeah for sure i saw this when i was nine at the theater i remember because it came out in february just after my ninth birthday yeah wow and i went to see this it was a double feature went to see this and over the top with my dad oh yeah holy shit that's how we do it. That's how yeah. we do it. That's a yeah. double, double up feature. right there. So this this came out like a week after my my ninth birthday, and we went to go see. Uh, I it was probably one of those things where it's like I got to pick one, and he got to pick one, and I picked this, and so he was like, "We're definitely going to go see Over the Top." There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got a, a great father son bonding in that movie. Yeah. Which one? Over the top? And over not mannequin. Absol- absolutely. The- yeah. yeah. Mannequin's awkward, but over the top, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's where I learned how to wear my hat backwards. There you go. Yeah. That's how you learn to flip it backwards. It's like if, that looks if, really good. If you need to focus and concentrate on an important arm wrestling achievement, flip the hat backwards. That's it. It's a um, power up move. <laughs> yeah. David, what about you? When was the first time you saw you saw the amazing film that is Mannequin? It probably as soon as it was available to rent or or watch on TV. I I watched this movie a lot, and in, in rewatching it for the podcast, I was like, "Wow, I know, I know, I knew the lyricism, uh, uh, the musicality of the dialogue. Like I like the the beats were all there. I knew the timing, and I was like, holy shit.'" Shit, I really remember this movie, and I, I have not seen it in 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 the 21st century, and maybe not even much in the from the mid 90s on. I probably hadn't seen it. So I mean, there was probably a solid like five or six years that I ingested this movie a lot, because um, I think it was always on TV. Like, I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah. So and. Like and the way the movie is, there's nothing to there's nothing to cut. Like uh, you'd cut for time, but like there's no iconic stuff that you would have for for a uh, to, to sanitize for a TV audience. So the whole movie's there. <laughs> like it's great. Yeah, yeah. I I I remember seeing it. I didn't see it in the theater. I remember seeing it right when it came on video. So it must have actually been somewhere in like late 87 or early 88 that I saw it. And it was, I was just, I was super into it. The music, uh, the, the, you know, nothing's going to stop us now. That was like, yeah. Favorite song. One of my favorite songs of all time. That song was hugely popular. Like it got nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. This is mannequin is an Oscar nominated film. We can say (laughs) that. Believe that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And wasn't that song on the radio all over the place? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. huge. It was like so, top 100 billboard. Yeah, absolutely. It was well, they huge, had just, Starship song. had just done, of course, they were, you know, a long history all the way back into the 60s. And you can see the, the morphing of that band from Jefferson Airplane all the way into Starship that like was so popular in the 80s. But they had just done We Built This City. And it's like a kind of a one two punch yeah. with those. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was, uh, I think I want to say I watched this movie with my grandma might be part of the grandma collection, but Mm. she may have just been around when I was watching it too. So it's sort of, sort of half peripheral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I, like, it was, I don't know if there was like a a rights issue. It's part of that MGM collection. So most of the things in the MGM umbrella, there is some sort of home video rights issue somewhere along the way in the, you know, through the nineties and two thousands. But uh, yeah, this one's hard to find to watch. Yes. So, I mean, you can find it to to rent uh to stream, but it's like very limited services have it to to for you to check out. Yeah, and I've never seen it streaming for free. I, I don't think I've ever seen it on Netflix or Hulu, you know, you can get it on I think on Prime, right? Uh I got it on uh Fandango now. <laughs> not to not to be plugging, but that's where mm-hmm. I found it. That's and who doesn't have that? And that, <laughs> if that, you don't run out and get it so you can watch mannequin a point of fact uh i think as of august 1st uh fandango now no longer exists and it's right. been swallowed up by voodoo that's so, accurate yes yeah so all right cool i watched it before august 1st <laughs> I well think. i i own it so anytime you know we want to get everybody together and and we can do it we can do a screening for all so the McCarthy, you own it uh, on Laserdisc? I should have. I, I've just got the DVD, but I should I should find the Laserdisc just to say I have it. Yeah. We could have an Andrew McCarthon. Ooh. McCarth McCarthathon. Um, yeah. McCarthion. McCarthion? This, this is what this month is all so we're celebrating about. McCarthy. Yeah, all things McCarthy. And if you want to know more about Andrew McCarthy, we'll just plug his book that he just released, his autobiography. Brat, an 80s story, which uh, I'm sure you can get wherever you get books, your Barnes and Nobles, your Amazons, you know, they're, they're all, of course, partnering with us here. Walden books. Yeah. Walden books. Yeah. Um, yep. Thousand books. Or, a million or books. If books a million. If you're but, not into reading, just, you know, you can get it on Audible. There you go. All right. Does he, Probably. does he uh, read it? Does he do the audio book? Ooh, that's yeah. a good question. You think I that sure hope he so. would have, right? Yeah. You want to hear these stories coming straight from the McCarthy's, uh, you know, right yeah. from his mouth. So we talked, we talked a lot of McCarthy in our less than zero episode, uh, which, and we talked about the McCarthy Spader team up. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is here, which is here, which continues here. And actually this was prior to less than zero. This came out in February, 87, less than zero, I think was November 87. So, yep. uh, so this actually happened first. And was Spader actually in pretty in pink? Um, wasn't he? Let's, let's get an one? intern on that. Yeah. We'll find out. R- Ryland, can you get on that? Let's um, okay. He's going to find, he's going to double check. Gonna find us, out. I think Ryland uh, is looking into it. But yeah, so this is uh, again we see those actors paired up and wow, this there's so much to say. Back to me, yes, yes, he was in Pretty in Pink. Sorry. Okay, so we yeah we missed that last last time, but uh, so that would be you know at one more on the the uh, the Spader McCarthy team up. So that goes 
almost to this day, if you count blacklist. Yeah. Which they're definitely, I mean, I think McCarthy's directed a few of those episodes. Even, Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, Andrew McCarthy is pretty much stopped acting at this point. He does appear in things here and there, but much more yeah. uh, he's, he's directing much more often than he is acting. So right. um, recurring director with the blacklist, but so mannequin this movie is bananas like what mm-hmm. is happening in this movie there's it's insane it's it's crazy from start to finish nothing makes sense yet i have so much love for this movie and there, there's so much to kind of there's so many wrong things all the way through this movie if you really get you can get deep and dark with this movie but for some reason it remains like on this fluffy cloud of Fun. Nostalgia, yeah, yeah. There's, de- it's definitely on a on a fluffy cloud of nostalgia. It is, it, it's got to be one of the most '80s movies. I feel like <laughs> that we've talked about on the podcast, if ever made. I mean, this movie, like, if you made this movie today, it'd be something more like Lars and the Real Girl, mm-hmm. or some, you know, something mm-hmm. along those lines. Like, this movie is so like. Uh, it's such a time capsule of of kind of like that 80s sensibility like it's it's pretty uh i mean just from that regard like rewatching it like took me back so much you know yeah. and so i don't it, know if i'd call it like good you know <laughs> i don't think that's the word there's definitely that's... there's definitely to your point john some stuff in there that just is not great at all like some of the like kind of sh- schmoozy uh co-worker stuff is like oh dude that shit doesn't fly out yeah the yeah. the entire roxy storyline yeah. and character oh, yeah. there's oh my god horrible yeah. things when you really look at it horrible yeah. things happen to that woman from, yeah. from the yeah, beginning it's to terrible end. yeah yeah she yeah. does not live a peaceful life that no. character <laughs> it no. is hard to be here uh, and no matter how much shoulder protection she might have from the outside world <laughs> she's wearing a football uniform <laughs> The like shoulder underneath. pads are intense. That's insane. I just, you know, I forgot. <laughs> I just forgot about. There must have pads. been. There must have been a lot of shoulder injuries in the '80s because they really need to pile on that shoulder protection. <laughs> yeah, it oh, was just all, that. That was the thing about the '80s. There was always rocks falling from the sky. Yeah, so. yeah that's that's what we <laughs> and hitting people in the shoulder. Yeah, don't that. worry about your head. It's the yeah. shoulders that uh-huh. must be padded. Uh, but yeah, Brent, this is absolutely a core, core 80s movie. It, this could not exist, at least in this way, uh, in any other time period. It's one of those definitive 80s movies where things happen and there's sort of no consequences and everyone just kind of slides through everything. And oh, nothing, yeah. You know, good guys win and weird, th- quirky yeah. things happen and it's just fun. I mean, it's, it it 100% exists on the idea of suspension of disbelief, right? Like, like right. you've got to just go with it. Yeah. It's silly. It's silly and it's and it's manic at times. It's just and it's over the top. And it, it, the, the rivalry with with uh, Max, uh, the the was it, is that the uh, security guard? Is it Max? Oh, GW, yeah. GW Bailey? Yeah. Like, yeah. GW Bailey. Like it's. Like he, they have a full on fight, fist fight, and then it was like, well, the rest of the night continues. <laughs> like, like it yeah. was, it was crazy. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, just silly things like 
that. And yeah, you just have to go for the ride where it's like, you know, everyone's got a rival, like, right. Like he's got, everyone's got an enemy. Like there's just this thing of, I don't know. There's always this like oppression coming from these forces, but it's silly and it's weird. And yeah, we, yeah we're all going to just survive and it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It's, um, it's bananas. I mean, all that, all that. And I feel like they were still able to like shoehorn in a little bit of heart. Like that scene where she's like spiraling down the, the, the opening of the mall on the, on the hang glider. Like, I'm yeah. like, that's, that's like kind of a pretty scene, you know, it's like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, yeah a, there's a couple moments in there. Yeah, it's, it's all there. It's all there. But you think you wonder how does a movie like this come into existence and how does this get made all the way and become the hit movie? I mean, it it, it was a hit uh, that, that it became. But we'll start with the director, Michael Gottlieb. Yes, the same Michael Gottlieb who brought us Mr. Nanny and also the sequel to this, Mannequin 2. Uh, just walking by a department store and sees the, a, a beautiful mannequin there. And this whole concept and idea sort of came to him morphing that with the, the, it being a modern retelling of Pygmalion that they really don't like, you just sort of have to know that, but it's not really super obvious, I guess. But uh, so, you know, he's starts the creative process of this at the same time, an executive producer named Joseph Farrell comes along. And this is where it kind of gets really interesting. And I, I actually did not know this till very recently. Joseph Farrell was a, a person, he founded the National Research Group, and he was a highly influential person into how the movie business changed. Uh, very, very important person in movie history, because this is the guy who started things like focus groups. Um, he was, uh, I think it was the, uh, what was the, the national research group was, was the group that he founded, but, um, you know, they did exit polls and box office tracking. And, you know, prior to this, like we, we've in our own research that we talk about how in the seventies, it's, it's hard to find a lot of box office numbers other than like a grand total. Right. This is the guy who, you know, starting in the late seventies began that whole trend. So hmm really turned it into much more of a serious business and using the audience's um, likes and dislikes to guide and create and craft a movie. Right. Well, and that's, a, I mean, that's how many of the characters, like that's how Andrew McCarthy got the job, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Was, this is was that girls liked him. So right. they were, Hey, let's get him in here. Well, because look at look at where McCarthy is at this point. I mean, he's coming off of I don't think Pretty in Pink. They had shot it. I don't think it had come out yet at, at this point. Uh, but, you know, St. Elmo's Fire class. He's just he's part of the we talked about it last time, part of the Brat Pack, but part of that ensemble. Certainly right. not the lead, even in St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, he's, you know, I guess they're, they're all share time, but I would say he's not in the forefront of that movie you know it's much more uh rob lowe and and emilio and and even judd nelson kind of a little bit ahead of mccarthy in that one but yeah. another popular movie so yeah but this was built around that young women would be be attracted to andrew mccarthy so <laughs> kind of combining all of that is how you build this wacky 
uh, adventure here. Yeah. Uh, but God, what is really going on in this movie? This because I can look at this movie from a few different perspectives, like the deep psychosis and depression of <laughs> Jonathan Switcher. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, is any of this even really happening? You can look at it from a complete psychotic breakdown point of view, and it and it's dark, very yeah. dark. Yeah, you could, there's I mean, a version of this movie where it's just his descent into madness. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it 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 was infused with magic, magic, and yeah. magic is is what what makes everything a better. A beautiful woman who likes you can fix your can fix all your problems <laughs> and, you know, help you help you through them, I guess. I don't know. But like he he's just he seems I think they paint it like he's so like he's just sort of this misunderstood artist and not even in like a, I don't buy him as an artist. So he just he no. doesn't even come off as like really kind of like eccentric or anything. He just seems like a normal guy. Yeah. And then like yeah. they just sort of paint it over like, well, you're like an artist. You got to create and you're and like that that beginning of the movie where he's just like he's he keeps working he keeps trying to have a job so he can live in new york um but like he's getting fired over the dumbest things like and it, i don't know if there's like a big message there of like just every employer is garbage and like and and you have to you have to play by the rules and like he's some sort of rule breaker which like i don't know <laughs> like, well because yeah the, the job montage where he's going from what he's he's a a p- like works in a, a in a pizza parlor right and and he yeah, gets fired from he gets fired he gets fired for what exactly from the pizza parlor like that was he's just, decorating the pizza he's decorating he's the pizza pe- one too many peppers on that on that pizza yeah, yeah. and like and not only is it like it's just like there's just this this art like this anger from the employers like what well, you can't you don't get out yeah. you're fired like what like totally unearned just like yeah exactly just you know giving him crap the entire time he's trimming bushes the wrong way he's making pizzas the wrong way like it's all yeah he's uh also potentially a child murderer in the uh balloon oh yeah Uh, right at the the kid's party yeah what happens to that kid we don't know (laughs) we never know he takes the big balloon and rises in the air and he mccarthy grabs his foot the jerk dad comes over, tells him to let go of his kid. So he lets go and the kid goes up in the sky, never yeah. to be seen again. Yeah. And it's like, well, got, oh, well, you're fired. You got to go. <laughs> yeah. Again, all very super 80s. Like, it's like just doesn't so, need to make sense. Doesn't need to be coherent. Yeah. Over the, just let it go. Just go along with the ride. Right. Over the top, as we mentioned. Over the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got his, you know, his original job was in the warehouse where he made mannequins, but he would take so long to build the perfect mannequin that his, his, uh, you know, his, um, the, the quantity that he's making is like nothing compared to everybody else. It's like taking him days to do one. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and that's where we see, like, he's got some kind of connection with this one particular mannequin. And so then we'll let, let's shift gears for a second to, to Emmy's character. That is the, the lovely Kim Cattrall who, uh, 
by the way, which is a little bit of a police academy one reunion in this movie between her and uh, F. W. G. W. Bailey, right? Yep. Yeah. G. W. Bailey. That's right. Uh, I so she was in police academy. Yes. Yeah, she's in the first one. But uh, absolutely. So her character. This is the the first moments of this movie where we go back to ancient Egypt and she prays to like what find it was find true love or something and yes no. and then right no she wants to she didn't want to well sort of but like yeah, she wanted she to like she doesn't, live her life. she doesn't want to marry the whatever right. the guy yeah. but it wasn't it she wanted to find true love and that's well she wanted out of the arranged marriage and yeah wanted, i think that she wanted was the, true love and she wanted to increase and she was like she wanted to create and invent things and do stuff and it's like a big metaphor that like women, women in ancient Egypt couldn't do anything. Uh, it, it's, it's so over. If, if I thought women, her mom tells her, if I thought women could ever do anything, I would be all for it. But this is just how it is. Terrible. And it's like 4,000 years ago. And it's just like it's these two like New York women. <laughs> like from I know no 80s. attempt at like no. disguising that. And she's like the whitest Egyptian, like, like it's insane. I don't know, but I was, so so, but there's no real explanation of what happens with her. She so she time time travels. She's immortal. Like what? What is? What? How? And why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, because like, and she sort of alludes that she was gonna go away, right? She if once once he attained his happiness is. As in, you know, professionally, like she, she was like, don't get tied up in this or something, you know, don't think about the future this way. Like, so yeah, I think she, like she kind of moves on and, and she's like a quantum leaper. She's like, she's jumping through time. Yeah. Helping how, how, men. No, no explanation <laughs> like, as to like how that is happening, why it just is. Yeah, just and is. we see, we see that through that fantastic animated uh, credit montage of <laughs> yeah, yes, which points to the fact that she's going to end up in the future with aliens. So right, because uh, there was a big alien race thing going on. So her adventures don't stop after. Uh, well, maybe she actually did it before she became human, like or you know, finally human again. Yeah, um, just bouncing around in time, like Sam Beckett. Yeah. Like Sam Beckett. Point. Yeah. So this is related to Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap is a spin-off of Mannequin. Yeah. I We're going to call that. Quantum Leap, I think, was on the air by now, maybe? I don't know. I thought it was, I want to say it was 89, but could be earlier than that. I don't know. Could be. I just know it's one of the greatest. I think it's 88. Yeah. Great show. Quantum Leap, great show. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Maybe nailed the time traveling a little better than how Mannequin handles it. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's, it's just all magic, though, right? Only, yeah, only, I guess. He can, only he can see her in her form, and she just automatically. But like, she can talk, and then people can hear her. But if they look at her, she just automatically becomes a mannequin. So she is this, this, this. What she's his muse, his inspiration. Right. She has the creative yes. juices that's like inspires him. But like, she's always she's doing all the design work to get him but he to, created her right i mean like he, he, right hit her. before well, I, bef- yeah so right? how does, or was that like some kind of magic that she was her. involved in as well hmm. well no she she like put the 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 note in his head to create her so that she could inhabit that body but why 
Like, isn't she in that montage? Like, and she alludes to the fact that she was in relationships with Christopher Columbus and Michelangelo and yeah. whoever yeah. else. So like she was in a physical presence, but now she's not. Now she's some kind of spirit thing. I don't know, but why does she need to inhabit a mannequin's body instead of human form automatically? Uh, just yeah. We need answers. <laughs> I, I, we don't get them either. <laughs> yeah. What other forms did she present as? Like in the we past? Don't know. It's, I mean, it's the cartoon to... would tell you that it's, it's a human or, you know, a human female every time. But yeah. Well, right. That's the point. That's what I think what John's asking is like, yeah. Well, if, I... if in the cartoon, she's a human each time, why is she showing up as a mannequin now? Right. What's right. the, what's the purpose? What's the, the point? I think the answers, we need a deep analysis of that opening montage, of that animated montage, because I think the keys are all in there somewhere. We've just got to... We're going to unlock the yeah. the lore and mythology of, <laughs> of the, Emmy. The, the mythology. It's like but, X-Files mythology. Yeah. But like uh, Kim Cattrall, just a big bubbly presence and uh, uh, just a like a great ball of energy. I think like, yeah, that like yeah. they complement each other so well. Cause I, I always consider Andrew McCarthy just sort of like a quiet understated guy until you, in a sense, until you kind of get to weekend at Bernie's where he just kind of like blows, like explodes is like the, uh, that character, Larry yeah. or whatever. But like, he's, you know, he's just kind of quiet, but then like they just let loose together. They, they do, they, they put on high fashion, they dance around, they like they, they play good games. Time. They just have a blast. And all he do, like it's oh my god, like what a great time. And then the guard who's supposed to be watching them never catches them except for one time. Like oh, he can never quite he's doing and he's and he's not really a presence or a threat. Like it's he's just you, you just see him when you're supposed to. It's not like they ever try to whip him. And I, I understand it's a big department store, but it's uh it's that's just wild to me they're just <laughs> slick you know they're they're cool they're they're able to avoid you know avoid him the whole time yeah well, they, 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 they certainly don't seem to be putting much but, effort into being covert you know the rest of the yeah. cast right kim cattrall was perfect casting for this role um yeah. you know she's coming off of what police academy uh we've got a big trouble in little china of course and she mm-hmm. you know a, a few other films there but I think she fits that role perfectly. And I, and I think she could probably, I think she played that character as well as anybody could have. There's just so little to really get into. It's such a, such a fluff character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a nine-year-old, she was probably my first crush dude was in control in this, in this movie. Yeah. Hmm. You know, she, I mean, she was super bubbly, like, just kind of fun and cute and look to to david's point earlier the chemistry between her and and andrew mccarthy was great yeah yeah Yeah. and they it just seems like the actors are having fun the characters are having fun throughout so i think that like you know that i think it because it doesn't go deep enough in the depression and the darkness and the the tough times it, it always keeps that kind of surface level and then you get all this like great energy and it's just like this is more of a, like a happy fun movie, and like there's just weird like cartoonish villains and and yelling. yeah, I mean, well, it's just, <laughs> it's just so silly. ridiculous, right? Like everything about it is just like yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, it seems like they were just having a blast, like kind of everywhere. Even 
like the Spader character, like he's so like, just like oozing, like, yeah. like over the top cartoon bad guy vibes, you know, that it's, uh, yeah. I mean, all of it just is kind of, kind of tongue in cheek and fun. And yeah. For Spader to like melt into that character, like, is that, I mean, just, I mean, great, what great choices, just perfect eighties, silly villain, like, Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> I just, I just like, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed him uh, in it. Uh, and he, and he, like, there's, the, there's just such charm that ooze off. Like, I guess, like, just pretty much everyone in it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, yeah. If and and again, it's just like every if they're not ha- if the characters aren't having fun, other characters are yelling at them. Like that's like <laughs> that. That's the two modes. That, it's just like fun, crazy, silly shit, and uh, and yelling. <laughs> yeah it's hard to tell too it, it feels like the actors are like going as over the top as almost a, as much as they can and then you've got a director with michael gottlieb who's not really pulling them back at all especially with spader like Spader's the most extreme to me that that is such a cartoon character i mean yeah. it's like yeah straight out of uh you know rocky and bullwinkle or something oh yeah so. i was gonna say pink panther but yeah, yeah. like yeah same kind yeah. of thing you're just like okay i think it, i think that i think you have to ratchet it all up like you can't like not one. you can't just have one loud like one like out there crazy character like they kind of just all have to be right that's um, what so, makes it work right yeah. everybody has to be all in because if you yeah. have well yeah but then you've got estelle getty who's a, a an amazing actress who is, I think, already doing Golden Girls at this point or right around yeah. this time. And I feel like they don't use her like yeah. to, to the full extent that they could have. Like that was a very flat, straightforward character that doesn't get to do much. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a whole lot. I mean, that's it. Right. Like there's just not a whole lot for her to to contribute. But right. I mean, the scenes yeah. that she in like, that she's in are are, you know, like she's she's great too yeah she but, nails it yeah but, but could have done could have done more could have used her more <laughs> could sure. have well they could have written it differently but she she's pretty just she's pretty much just the straight character of, of she's yeah. the straightest character of the whole yeah. movie but a movie that's being built based off demographic research you know like you're not yeah. going to center too much time around you know the the older lady playing the the store owner you know right well yeah i mean they're going for they're going for kids basically they're going for young young women who are are attracted to andrew mccarthy they're going for young young men or boys who are attracted to kim cattrall and then they've got they're trying to bring some other stuff with masak taylor and hollywood and then you have estelle getty for the adults that are there for something for them to latch on to and it seems to have at least initially worked um what what do you guys Hollywood. How about Hollywood. that character? That is, uh, that's a lot of wardrobe. I'm, uh, I'm Jonathan Switcher. Hollywood. Hollywood Montrose. Woo! Doesn't it just sing? Oh, it sings, yeah. I'm a window dresser here. We're going to have fun, fun, fun. I am so glad you're working here. <laughs> you are. Why, of course I am, honey. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of big sunglasses. Yeah. Indoors at night. All the time. I love it. I love that he (laughs) I love when he's like kind of distracted by them on bikes and he changes his sunglasses because like he's he thinks he's hearing and seeing things. (laughs) Like yes. He just but 
I I don't I haven't looked into what a modern reaction from from a modern audience is to that character. I don't know if yeah. it's like offensive in some way or it, I mean it because I don't think Meshach Taylor is gay and he's certainly not uh or and he's certainly not a very like flamboyant person I don't think. Right. Um so he plays very he ratchets it up to 11 but I I think it's I, I think for the most part the the part's done even though it's cartoonish, everyone's cartoonish. So he he doesn't even stand out that much. Uh, yeah. But I think I don't know. Is like I'm not sure if back then that character was designed to sort of be laughed at as like as an outsider. But maybe not because the way they present it, like everyone everyone kind of just accepts who he is as well. Right. And I know. think you nail. I think you nailed it. Right. Like I think the thing is is that everybody is ratcheted up to eleven. And like yeah. this is, although I think you know you look at it through today's lenses and it's a, you know, kind of a sad representation uh, of, of, you know, uh, a gay man, like, you know, at the, at the time, like everybody's ratcheted up to 11, he's going to be super flamboyant, super, you know, um, over the top. And so like, it works in the context of the movie, but not definitely not. in you know, I, I think, I think it's a little bit of an embarrassing, uh, kind of character in today's kind of standpoint, but back then there wasn't a lot of homosexuals getting representation in movies in general. Right. 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 So, and he was uh, clearly out. I, I was, I was thinking like when, when he got introduced, I'm like, Oh, are they going to not like, like say anything explicit, but there's I just from the moment oh, it's, yeah. He talks he, about his partner all the time, his right. partner and just everything like he's, so it's, you know, he gets to just be out and, and, proud and all of that in a sense and like i don't know it's there's i still think he's kind of othered in, in a little bit but uh, I, uh, but I, again all the all the other characters like him i mean well i guess it's just andrew mccarthy that talks to him yeah they don't he doesn't really interact until the end when he's fire hosing all the poor security guards who are just trying to do their job <laughs> yeah 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 um which one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when the hose goes down and he just drops the hose and he's just like shit like and he just <laughs> i just love that i love that i i giggled so much of that as a kid like i oh, yeah. i love that i i i've rewound that scene like yeah. <laughs> just because it's i don't know it's funny yeah from funny. a standpoint of a movie that is built around like all sorts of different over-the-top cartoon characters like hollywood is is great you know yeah yeah i think i think the i think you guys kind of nailed it that the i think the intention was in the right place at the time Mm-hmm. but the world's a very different place and it's it's hard to look at that character as coming across in a completely positive way you know it's very uh i, I don't know but it's i don't know if it's as aged i don't think it's aged very well but well yeah i just think like I, yeah and you know i, I don't want to step in anything but like i think yeah. the deal is is like you know nowadays people understand that everybody comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes and flamboyant, non-flamboyant, but, but back in the eighties, you know, like there just wasn't enough like representation Mm -hmm. and understanding of like how individual everybody was. Right. And so I think, you know, like they're putting Hollywood out there uh, and, you know, it's showing an audience, a very narrow view of, of kind of, um, that group of people. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, you know, 
then there's, ahead, David. And there's just there's other specific language that you used to reference him called a fi- like not, not not a lot of hate being spread, but you know he's called a fairy, kind of I, once maliciously, once sort of matter of factly. Like I don't know, like right. uh, so you know there is still that like there there are and then and then what and at least one character is called out like gw gw bailey yeah yes uh you know at least andrew mccarthy calls him a bigot but like you know he doesn't he doesn't necessarily defend hollywood but he at least he accuses him of being a big or you know identifies him as a bigot for saying shit like that right so there's something there that at least you know there's it's probably more positive for representation yeah. than than not right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about the ending for a second. So yeah. what, There's a wedding. um, well, not a that wedding. Ending. <laughs> the oh. action, the action sequence, the climax so where, where, the what battle. mall has a, like a trash compactor grinder. Oh, do you know how many like shipping boxes and garbage? Actually, is yeah. that a real thing? Yeah, I would think so. I, yeah, I don't, I don't actually think that that's too, in a, in a world where the whole movie's based off like bananas, banana leaps of faith, like that part, I'm like, you yeah, bought all right, I could see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I, yeah. I don't know. I've never seen, I worked in a mall. I never saw any. Uh... Now, do I think it's safe? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Ship that shit out. Have somebody but, else deal with it. Well, that's, I mean, this is, but this is a giant de- apartment store kind of mall whereas right. like oh, it's almost like you know it's supposed to be a one-stop place you would shop like for words. everything but that's yeah. that's that's a bond villain a james bond villain kind of device that they're yeah. fighting over at the end <laughs> right um but it's yeah terrible. that that was that was exciting the, the, the peril what was going to happen to emmy oh is she going to make it out of this david you were literally on the edge of your seat like you almost fell out of of your chair. Yeah, I thought this is it. Facts. This is it. Don't know what's gonna happen. Sweat pouring down your. <laughs> Can you get there in time? I no. Uh, you were almost hiding behind your hands. Like the the yeah. anticipation was too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I'm gonna go back to the dark side. The dark side of man. Okay. <laughs> so. Jonathan Switcher's like a life ruiner. Like everybody, almost everybody he interacts with, he just screws their life like upside down. So, you know, we already, when we meet him, he's already got this kind of not great relationship with Roxy, right? Let's talk about the Roxy side of things. Mm. So he would pay, would rather pay much more attention to his mannequins and his failed, you know, artist uh you know artistic career and is really pretty much ignoring her which is driving her away from him right to turn Mm -hmm. to anybody else of which she's surrounded by horrible abusers throughout the rest of the movie so illustra uh, is terrible illustra is an evil corporation that thank god they're gone yeah yeah we never had to feel the wrath of illustra in the the 1990s thank god Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but but yeah i mean her co-worker armand is just all over her sexually i mean doesn't he like shove his face in her oh my breasts? God. like yeah it's the like absolutely yeah. from watching it this time that was like his character and all that interaction was 
for me the worst yeah, part my... of of the rewatch. Uh, yeah, not enjoying that at all. And like, and to see like, and it's like this is so familiar. Like, this is just common shit from the eighties. Like, I don't know. Like, you see versions of that character all the time, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What? What?" Like, you know, she's you know she rebuffs him and hits him and stuff like, you know, to keep, to, to make it clear, but uh, you know, he gets to get away with that. That's so cool. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he gets away with it. She actually gives in and has sex with him just because yeah. he badgers her enough and she's just doesn't want to deal with him anymore. So, yeah. And he gets, and he gets his comeuppance, right. Since he, he cannot perform, uh, which is of course another, you know, the greatest insult to any man is, like yeah haha you can't perform um so like that's supposed to be i don't know it's like but but it's also but it's also uh, you know another kind of horrible thing that happens to her character that she can't you know clearly she's not enough for jonathan and this guy who's all over her like can't even when when the opportunity is there suddenly she can't satisfy mm-hmm. him either Oh yeah, so I guess it's kind of a burn on her. On right? both of them, really. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Hmm. But you know, it's just yeah, like that whole that whole little thing. And like, why did why were they the two that break into the 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 department store that night and like like right. to get the evidence, right? Right. Right. <laughs> like, why why do they why do they work together? What is his job? <laughs> like, does he even is, get right. paid, or is he just a hang hang around guy? Yeah, He's just a hanger on her. It's just some like, but even even at the end, after the the climactic battle, you know, action sequence, when she's in that room, then the the janitor guy is like yeah. sexually assaulting her. Yeah, like continue, like she's like scream, like you don't even see what he's doing to her, but she's saying, "Stop it! Don't touch me! Stop yeah. touching me!" Like over and over oh, yeah. until when he's trying to just... find his own mannequin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which as a uh, to, to use as a sex object, right? Yeah, right. I mean, the mannequin's gonna come to life, so it's a woman that now he can uh, he can own. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. She's she's the most tragic character in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. the she's sad like, the sad tale of Roxy. That should be oh. the the uh, the subtitle of uh, of mannequin. I mean, that character would be completely different if they redid this movie. Oh God, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. No, Carol Carol Davis played Roxy, and yeah, Roxy would end up. She would end up owning Illustra at the end. Exactly I think. right. And yeah. like every and all those men would be in prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like for for numerous crimes. Um mannequin three, Roxy's revenge. Yeah. There it is. That's it. We Roxy, we we found it. She gets turned into a mannequin. She no, she gets a male mannequin who oh, right. then she uses as like a secret, you know, killing machine weapon. <laughs> <laughs> to get revenge on all of them right right the final uh, showdown between that mannequin and jonathan switcher that's funny you just said she got his own mannequin it reminded me of that movie hunk do you remember that movie from no the- oh my god it's about a dorky dude who turns into a hunk like it's it's right up the- it's also super 80s it's like this the the terrible like you know the when movies like mannequin are successful there come the uh, repeat like yeah. w- wannabe uh coattail writers who spit out all this like kind of related not really related 
associated type movies and this is hunk was one of them ah is it good no <laughs> <laughs> not at all but i remember it okay um <laughs> another character that has a sad sad arc is rambo the dog yeah yeah so rambo's this you know you know uh, gar- attack dog this guard dog a bulldog and uh we don't see what happens but gw bailey sends rambo after Jonathan and Emmy, yeah, Emmy, uh, and we don't see what happens. We imagine that Emmy has done something to scare this dog because we hear it yelp and run back, and then it's afraid of everything. And then eventually, Rambo is just gone, and we're led to believe he's GW Bailey's either put it down or gotten rid of it, rejected it by, by its best friend. Yeah, um, they'll... just I always just made the leap that the reason the dog got scared is because it saw Emmy go from mannequin to human or human to mannequin. Possibly, yeah, or she's so. she's a killer, something yeah. like that. Maybe she's Emmy. A... That's dark. <laughs> or maybe like it. She her face turned into the that animated face from Pee Wee's large adventure. marge. She did, she did a large marge on the dog. That's what I was thinking. It large had to be a large marge. marge. <laughs> the large marge maneuver. Yeah. But yeah, like the last time we see the dog is after the hang gliding thing. It's up in a it's up in the tree display or something like that. And then like that's it. And then well, they had to get rid of the dog, otherwise the dog was going to end up at the bottom of the pit of the jaws of death or whatever, trying to <laughs> oh, yeah. try, trying to help wrangle I, the mannequin situation. I wonder if there's just a cut scene uh, like that was taken out, like where the dog where we find out the fate of the dog and it's either you know throwing itself off a bridge in some wacky 80s way yeah uh it's talked about we wouldn't see it but we would you know i don't yeah. know or does or was there another like wacky prank where the dog dies like in the store and then they just move on from it the dog becomes spuds mckenzie there you go yeah r.i.p r.i.p so spuds mckenzie yeah <laughs> There is that. That's just you know you can kind of go down the line that there's a whole dark angle, and then of course Jonathan's, you know, this whole thing of like is is this real or not? Because only he can see her as a human. So until the end, until the <laughs> end, unexplained that everyone else can see her as well. No mention of how that happens, but suddenly they just can't. It's got to be that the that power of it's it's got to be something to do with the power of love between them because right. yeah I don't know maybe I don't know there's something about that I'm not I'm not quite I feel like I have to watch the whole movie over again I, I think you should I think you should what, and well come what come he, back what, here. he was spewing a bunch of stuff while he was like holding on to her before, as she was dangling over the the grinder right was yes well i i I think you're you're probably right david that they finally the acknowledgement of that love is what makes her full full full-time human yeah that now she really she found the the true love that that she chose you know right uh right and now she can live freely and not time travel anymore and let's talk about estelle getty so her character and those secret videotapes that she's got where everything is recorded from yeah. the whole 
movie. Like all the security camera footage is all recorded. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of stuff on those tapes that are uh, that I'd like to see. What does it look like from that point of view? Like, is he actually having sex with a mannequin, or does it <laughs> does she appear human on the video? This so, is so it's like it, you. So you're so is your theory that like she is? This is more of a Calvin and Hobbes situation where Hobbes is by any anyone else in the world has never seen Hobbes the way Calvin does, right? So right. Like, yeah, is this is that what she saw? And does does she not care? She's like, I only saw only what I needed to. Yeah, I think she sees I, the artist in Jonathan and would probably chalk it up to just, well, artists do weird things. So yeah. I'm he's, pretty he's sure bringing the customers that's grounds for termination, but <laughs> absolutely the security, no matter, the no matter security, how like nonchalant and go with the flow you are, it's like mm, guy. He he, but like he's doing so well in his job. The store's making a ton of money, and he openly takes the mannequin into storerooms, and everyone knows that he's going to take the mannequin to have, to have sex with it. Like, and they listen in. Remember, there's like a storeroom scene. He's walking, and then it, yeah. it like cut, it flashes, it cuts forward, and he walks out. So like, w- like this is just something he gets to do. Like, <laughs> well, and and the security guards. Let me just stick up for them for a minute. They're totally in the right. They're trying to do their jobs and stop an employee who is damaging product, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Lustra, sure. Get, yeah. yeah. And getting, you know, bodily fluids, most likely over, you know, into that product, which is going back on the shelves to sell to people. Absolutely. It's disgusting. The, all GW right. Bailey, GW Bailey is an, is an, unsung hero in this in this movie i think you nailed it (laughs) felix felix is 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 the true hero you can we're gonna flip this movie just right on its on its head here (laughs) well and why not this movie's that wacky that you i mean it's roxy and and gw bailey are the heroes of mannequin and the villain (laughs) is jonathan fucking switcher yeah the true villain psychotic villain yeah well, I'm sure I am sure somebody did a YouTube of why Jonathan Switcher is the is the true villain of Mannequin. Like, you, you see well, that I'm, like the, those yeah. those completely opposite take like YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. I, and, I don't know. I think this one has fallen far enough out of the zeitgeist that uh, oh, it probably true. doesn't exist. But yeah, you, but it should. Yeah. Well, you won't get a shine from this one. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and even one. even Hollywood, even Hollywood, Ho- Hollywood was the window dresser right yeah and then jonathan stole his job and he was like whatever absolutely stole his job and and destroyed his self-confidence i was thinking about that the whole time i was like why is hollywood not pissed off here like he's totally getting his job taken yeah (laughs) and we only saw four windows like it's true but they were magical they were Yeah. yeah have you ever seen a crowd assemble outside of a of a uh display window like that either no. You know, I think we missed, I missed, we missed the time. It was, it was no. before our time. Yeah. I didn't live in, I didn't live a lot I, near a lot of department stores in a major city. I do think that people did the, like, uh, as silly as that question is, and I know you're kind of joking, like, I think back in the day, like, you know, sixties and whatnot, when department stores were a big deal, like at Christmas time and sure. things like that. And they would do these huge ornate, like window dressings. Like, yeah, I think. There would be large crowds that that did it. Yeah. All right. I'll give in you that. Eight, yeah. In the eighties, 
not so much. No, maybe maybe Christmas, maybe the holiday ones. I could see yeah. that, but this is not, to my knowledge, and you know, I'll stretch these these uh, the the boundaries with this. Oh, this is a Christmas movie. This is. <laughs> Is what? it? Do we hit Christmas in it? <laughs> no, no. I just wanted to. I was gonna get a reaction out say, of David. It's not a Christmas movie. I'll, I'll say that. Okay, David. Okay. Let's start every episode from now on, Christmas declaring whether that yeah, it's a Christmas movie or not. <laughs> Most movies are not Christmas movies, so we don't really have to do that. You just <laughs> put it on the table right here. Let's just Mannequin mention is, it when they are. Let's just mention it when they are. That's we're fine. Mannequin, not a Christmas movie. Die Hard, a Christmas movie. So that's our scale. Got it. That's yeah. not the scale. Like the Elf or the Santa Claus is the Christmas movie. Yeah, that's on my list. Santa Claus the movie, of course. What's the most Christmas movie? What's the mo- the most Christmas movie? Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I was going to say Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or It's a Cur- Wonderful Life. I go Christmas story or Christmas vacation, but like the most Christmas of them all, like not, not the one you love watching at Christmas. What's the, what's the Christmas, 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 the Christmasiest. I, I still think Christmas story. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. Yeah, okay. It's all about the anticipation yeah. of Christmas. Totally good. Because miracle, uh, not miracle on 34th street. Uh, the it's a, it's a wonderful life. I like, it takes place at Christmas, right? But it doesn't, yeah. it's not really, again, not like about Christmas. It's about him yeah. almost committing suicide and reliving his, you know, sort of like seeing yeah. his life, you know, yeah. um, not point. necessarily about Christmas, but so, yeah. Okay. So mannequin is the zero and then Christmas story is the, the 10. Yeah. And you're saying Die Hard's like a 9.7 or something. I'm I'll, 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 I'll get saying... maybe a little less. I'll go yeah, straight it's... nine. I would, I would I would give Die Hard like the seven, the seven on the Christmas scale, but I would still consider it a Christmas movie. Uh, I'd put it on a list with Christmas movies. I mean, not that it. Yeah, you just what? like Die it's Hard. Not, you just like movie, Die Hard. You can't. Mannequin is for sure not a Christmas. Okay, movie. well, and yeah. then it, it, I'll not it, continue the Die Hard debate. It list. has been deemed not a Christmas. Movie. There right. we go. Thank you, Mannequin. Anyway, that's a nice divergence. <laughs> yeah. So there's never a never a bad time for the diehard. Never Christmas debate. David and I on our deathbeds will be fighting. The last words we're gonna say to each other is about diehard. So yeah. yeah. Yep. It'll be very rosebud esque. Yeah, exactly. Uh but all right. So I think we've we've broken down the dark negative side of, of mannequin. Of course, none of it is portrayed that way. It's like we mentioned, it's portrayed in this very lighthearted, um, you know, way that uh, is not, does not want you to look at, doesn't want you to ask any questions. It doesn't want you to dive any deeper. It just wants you to take it at its surface value and um, enjoy it for what it is. That being said, I don't know. I still like have fun with this movie. <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. ridiculous that i can't it's like i just can't go all the way in that direction with those with with it because it just doesn't take itself that seriously i flip-flopped when i was watching it a couple times because like i hadn't seen it similar to how david was saying earlier like i haven't seen it probably 20 years you know i mean it's been a long while and so at first 
I was enjoying it quite a bit because, you know, it was very nostalgic. It reminded me of when I saw it back in the day. And then it got to some of the points where it was like, oh, that doesn't really work. Uh, but those, I mean, even though they stick out quite a bit, they're not, you know, and there's there's a handful of them, you know, they're quick and then it gets back to kind of the fun, kind of over the top cartoony clown-like 80s take. And it's like, oh, okay, this is fun again. So I was kind of back and forth a little bit, but overall, like, you know, if you can get past kind of those things that we talked about, like, I think it's, I, for me, it was still quite a bit of fun. I have to question if I hadn't seen it ever and then watched oh, yeah. it. I don't, I'd be like, this sucks. No way. <laughs> no way. If you've never seen this, it would not work at all. You, you, yeah. Like, it's just never. Like, what, like this, this is locked in from, from that, that, yeah, that time of our lives. Uh, 100% agree. Because as a, this, because a kid can enjoy this. Like, this isn't, this movie, you know, this isn't a, that much of a romantic movie and it's not a, it's not really that sexy, you know, like there. And so, and it's just, it's just wacky and big, t- like, so it's very much like, it's kind of a kid's movie in a lot of ways. Just, it's just, it's about, it's about adults. Right. <laughs> like, it's almost I mean, if you movie. didn't understand, like if you didn't have any kind of like understanding of the eighties or the other movies that were being kind of made and, you know, I mean, again, like movies these days, I mean, I feel like, and this isn't exactly accurate because I know that there are still like whimsical kind of magical movies that get made, but like everything really feels, at least the ones that stick out the most to me, feels like it's made with a bit of kind of grit and some sort of anchoring in like reality of some sort, you know? I mean, even, even like just the grittiness and like, you know, even things like Harry Potter and stuff like that, like there's kind of a, you know, a grounded approach to all of it that just, you know, it's not like this, I don't know. And it's probably the movies that I'm seeing, obviously, because I'm not seeing like things like Mannequin or or would mm-hmm. be seeking to see them. But I just th- feel like filmmaking in general has like evolved in such a way that like this kind of whimsy and nonsense doesn't really shine through that much it doesn't get like it doesn't it's not like popular it doesn't get it doesn't it's not successful at the box office and things like that you know like it kind of comes and goes if it's happening at all Hmm. yeah i i think you're i think you're right it's Hmm. it's i mean you do see movies like that here and there but not i you don't see them with the frequency that you did when like we were kids right you know, it, it was, and this one in particular, I think you're totally right. Like you, you really had to see this a, as a kid and B in the eighties <laughs> to have yeah. any kind of appreciation for it. So it's just gonna, it's just gonna, it's too much, uh, you know, too, there's, there's not enough, uh, there's not enough real material there for people to lock onto anymore. Well, right. So, a lot of it would just not make sense to yeah. like, uh, and you know, a, a audience like a current audience. And in the, for some reason, in the eighties, like that was a thing that it didn't like they didn't take their audience that seriously. That just, yeah. just it's mindless entertainment, and there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need it. I will say, 
when I'm having a really stressful, uh, you know, not so great week and I want to just turn it all off, Mannequin is one of the first movies that I will put on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So awesome. Uh, so, I totally see it. But I will say a lot of that's just for that end moment, you know, the wedding, the wedding, the wedding, the happy, a... the happy 80s ending. Yeah. Ah. Uh. <laughs> or is it? Everyone loves a wedding. Yeah. Uh, All happy yeah. endings end with a wedding, right? Yeah. Right. And you've got nothing's going to stop us now. It's, it's that, is, that is how you end Ooh. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hot track. That was great stuff. Um, I, I will say that when, uh, when we graduated college and I gave my, my speech at our, our graduation, <laughs> Oh I God. was tempted to just sing, start singing the lyrics of nothing's going to stop us now. And everybody was going to come on the stage and we we're all going to have a musical ending. <laughs> oh my God. And a freeze frame moment. And then that's it. That's the end of college that, right there. That, that's how you cap it. Yeah. yeah. That would have been glorious. It would have been. I, instead, I would have been singing and it would have been silence mm-hmm. from everybody else. And then the music wouldn't even no, been no, playing. No, it so. wouldn't have been silent. You would have certainly heard me laughing hysterically. <laughs> okay. Well, all right, guys. Should we do a little box office glory? Yep. Let's. Yep. It's time. It's now time. Okay. So Mannequin is created in the... Uh, summer and fall of 1986. It's released February 13th, 1987, just in time for Valentine's Day. Perfect mm-hmm. Valentine's 80s movie. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't say maybe not now, but uh, the budget was uh, just under $8 million. It opens up at number three uh, opening weekend. Uh, the, the other new release was Brent. You're correct. Over the top. Oh, I know. Uh, it had a $6 million opening and hey. it, it sandwiched between outrageous fortune and, and over the top. So over the top, I think was number four and platoon was one. So you've got mannequin trying to fight the, uh, fight the monster that is platoon. That's taking the box office uh, crown that week. So platoon yeah. outrageous fortune mannequin over the top. That's your top four. Nice. But it does, so a $6 million opening week, you know, it's almost making its money back. Next week, it climbs to number two. So uh, it ends up with a total of $38 million in its hey. uh, domestic run. So It's a big win. Yeah, that's actually a huge win. That's a big success, whether you, you know, uh, and I remember at the time, everybody I knew loved Mannequin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's only years later that, you know, I would say after the 2000s even that, people finally go back to it and they're like, Oh, that is, that does not view the same way as it did back then. Yeah. It doesn't read. <laughs> uh, it ended up at number 30 of 1987. That's a, a jam packed year. A lot of, a lot of big movies that year, but mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so a successful movie like this is all the way down at number 30. Wow. And this, this was one of those movies that probably had a great, great life on rental and television. Yeah. So yeah. With, and like with that single on the radio, probably all year. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Uh, 
yeah i mean this is so whatever this movie was bigger than than the box office would tell you yeah uh home video for sure i know this yeah yeah, this was definitely one of those there's a lot of movies that that found their even ones that weren't hits uh, in in the theater that found a life on home video through that late eighties into the, into the nineties. It was, yeah. um, yeah, really, really important for a lot of movies. So, but, um, yeah. All right. So what will we say? Let's, let's rate it on our reconsider scale one or zero to 10. How much, how much love do you have? David, we'll start with you. Hmm. How much love do you have for mannequin? Uh, I have an affection for it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, whew. It's tough. Um, you know, I don't know how how much I need to go back to it. I, I you know, I, I don't have that that deep of a connection to it. I like I said, I I, I remember so much of it in, in my in my brain. Like I could hitting the beats and, and how it sounded and and with the lines. Uh but you know, it's been so long and I it was nice to, to come back hmm. uh after all this time. But I guess I'd have to go like with my with the enjoyment factor of it, and I guess a six point five, six point seven. That's probably me. Like, yeah, six, overall, all, overall. Thanks, thanks for the the good times, mannequin. Oh, that's sweet, David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, Brensky, how about you? Um, hmm. I don't have anything eloquent to say, like David, but I. Do it does it does you know again there are some pretty fond memories related to having seen this movie at the theater from a nostalgia standpoint I really do enjoy it quite a bit yeah certainly not a movie that I'm gonna be like hey kids let's sit down and watch Mannequin like right. it just won't translate at all for for the kids um, so you know like I don't really see myself going back to the well to watch this too many more times uh in my life but uh i would probably put it kind of where david did maybe uh, in the sixes six probably six six point three six point four sure okay all right fair i'm gonna go look i've got a lot of nostalgia for this movie and will i watch it uh occasionally probably when Mm -hmm. i when i need that like I need to go to fantasy land away from reality, but I'm not going to say it's a great movie. So I'm going to rank it a little lower. I'm going to drop it into the, the 4.4 range. Okay. That it, I can't not see some of those things uh, that we talked about here. I can't unsee those. I can't also, I don't feel like I can recommend this to people who didn't, Mm. you know, so, uh, right. you know, as much as uh, I have a fondness for it, I'm not going to rank it that high. That's just my personal opinion. So, sure. um, so we'll, you know, we'll average probably somewhere in the high fives, you know, to the six, the six yeah. range here. But uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, another, an, an important piece in the Andrew McCarthy, uh, the Andrew McCarthy library that is his, uh, his career. So uh, cult status. This is, a, you know, got. This is now. I would put it in that cult, cult movie kind of category. That, yeah, you know, you don't see it. You don't see it on TV. Obviously, we don't see it streaming in a lot of places. It's not pushed uh, hard everywhere. But uh, I, I could see it does have its its audience is still there. So.
somewhere. So yeah. feels like one of those movies that gets talked about, and then the the interest lies in the fact that it's so hard to find now, and and it's so awkward. It's got to be just awkward for for an like a, a, an audience to watch it from from like a contemporary audience standpoint. Yeah. Well, there's so it's so bizarre. There's so many unanswered questions of why anything is even happening in this movie that it just is that it's always I think going to have some kind of audience who will attach to it. That yeah. like this is just bizarre land here. Yeah. Still my favorite Andrew McCarthy uh, movie though. There you go. All right. There, well, there it is. I will yeah. say, we have one more episode in Andrew McCarthy August coming coming up. So, and yes, it's another big one. So, uh, let's see what we we think about that on our next episode. But uh, I will say a quick uh, thank you to our friends uh, Curtis Moore for the poster, as usual. Always love your artwork and. Uh, our, our good friend E.K. Wimmer uh, for the theme song and don't forget to check out his podcast Laser Graves anywhere you listen to, to podcasts and check us out on social media we're at Reconcinimation Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and check out our back catalog at, uh, at Reconcinimation.com I just realized I didn't plug Whoa. any other episode in this whole show So well, yeah. you talked about less than zero I did, yeah. That's uh, but you that's didn't it. throw it out there. I was well, mighty you can, disappointed. You can check out less than zero from our, our first entry in Andrew McCarthy August, but um, we have well over a hundred episodes in our back catalog. So uh, don't forget to dive in there. We've got you know so many all over the place too. Uh, we, we range all over. So and where do you uh, find that again? One more time. www.reconsideration.com. Of course, ah, that's it. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you should uh, bookmark that. Make it your home page. <laughs> In your home page on your desktop computer. Uh, all right, guys. So uh, we've got one more for, for our Andrew McCarthy specials here. So we will see you next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now.